0: As we begin our sermon this morning, I want to highlight two books that may be helpful uh, if you want to dive a little deeper than what I can uh, bring us on a Sunday morning. If you want to uh, study a little more of the issue of evil and suffering, uh, two resources that over the years I have uh, found to be wonderful. I it's it to work. Okay. As, you know, as we go through, you know, how many other resources you you know, like? Well, well, why would I get those two? Well, one, because uh, I don't want you to think anything I say on this morning is very original. Uh, it's, it's not. I'm not that smart uh, to have an original idea. I've always had an idea or when it comes to the Bible. If I can find an original idea, I may be wrong. I mean, people have been studying this for uh, 2,000 years. Chances of me coming onto something new is going to be slim to none. Uh, two, so you can go deeper. Uh, Sunday mornings, I can't go as deep as what some of you would like. Others of you will say I go too deep. This will allow you to kind of hit that happy medium, per se, as we look at evil and suffering. In uh, our world, and I think we start with the reminder that our world is broken. You don't have to go too far in a day to realize the brokenness of our world. You know, uh, it could be some things that happen to you, or just picking up the news. We we kind of, we need to realize this. Okay, our world is broken. Other belief systems try to answer the question of evil and suffering by acting like it doesn't exist but it does exist and scripture never shies away from the question our world is broken and so we're going to start to look at this the goal this morning and every morning is to every Sunday is to think biblically about evil and suffering it's not just to think through it does Scripture have to say about Where have we maybe unintentionally let some ideas that are contrary to Scripture start to influence how we think about evil and suffering? And and I'll say this. One of the ways we've done this, unintentionally, and I don't need to minimize this statement, but we will ask things like why do bad things happen to Good people. Uh, what is a good person? Jordan, what's a good person? You don't know. Are you a good person? You don't know. Quick, what? Who's a good person? Are you? Miss <laughs> Joyce, all right. <laughs> Joyce, do you agree with that? Uh oh, Colby, are you a good person? You guess. You what? Are you going to hit me? So, we need to sometimes understand that even in how we start and ask the questions, we may have to be careful. So, God is going to hit it. <laughs> Alright? Um, that, that sometimes we're letting other ideas come in. And so, this morning, I want us to go back to the beginning. So, turn with me to the very early pages of Scripture. The beginning of time as we know it, the beginning of the world as we know it. And we read these words, and you may have them memorized. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. God created All things. Everything. And we get a list of things. for him. He, he says each day that what he made was good. And on the sixth days he looked over everything that he had made. Genesis 1.31. Think of um, the fact that we have kids that we will uh, give shoeboxes to, that that may be their only gift every year. You're not supposed to give toothpaste. Why? Because they mean it. Why? They don't know what toothpaste is. We would say we have it better, but we can't maybe say they have it very good. This world is hopeless. This world is messed up. The Bible never uh, shies away from that fact. Many other systems do. They try to just remember that, well, you can find all goodness on earth. And friends, Scripture says not a chance. You can't find all goodness on earth, because we do not live in the world as it was originally created. So that brings us kind of with the question, well, why didn't God do something about that? Right? Why did God create a world that ended up broken, right? Well, we need this reminder from Deuteronomy 29.9. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Deuteronomy at the outset, as the nation of Israel is starting to figure out things, they're going to have questions like, well, how about this or that?
1: And it's a reminder
0: at the beginning, and it's a reminder for us, the secret things, the things that have not been revealed belong to God Himself. Very similar to We as parents kind of do very similar things. We don't teach kids everything to begin with. Came into this world because that would totally make her question a whole lot more things. She knows she came from mom, and inside mom's son. Good enough right now. Why? Because that now would give more thoughts and more. Well, what about this? What about that? And I believe with what we see within scripture is with evil and suffering, there are certain things that we cannot understand because we are created. And God is not. But we have been revealed many things, and that's what belongs to us. That we may follow all the days. The Lord's call. So, what are some things that have been revealed? That God created things good. That there was a time when everything was right. This <laughs> doesn't... the devil, and he must flee. We don't know. Here's the secret things. We don't know how long Satan was in the garden. We, we see this sometimes in our Western view of, of Genesis 2 happens and then the next day, Genesis 3. So like on day 8, Genesis 3. We don't know that to be true. Whether we like it or not, Scripture also awesome reveals a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years are like a day. Figure it out. We don't know the certainty. We can't know. We're not meant to know. I know we live in a world where knowledge is supposed to be key, where you can find anything and everything out on your computer or your tablet or your phone. Doesn't mean you will actually become wise. And there, in the garden, the creative being, Satan, appears. God's word. And He changes the minds of Adam and Eve. Who was at fault, you may ask? Was it Satan? Yes. Was it Eve? Is it just always the woman's fault? No. Is it just the man's fault? No. Follow. You know, time and time again, I've heard people and people who aren't just joking, I've heard many others who joke and Yes, if only the women would have just uh, submitted, this would work out. But here's the thing. In verse 6 of Genesis 3, it says, She gave some of the fruit to her husband, who was with her. At any point in time, Adam could have stopped the whole process. He did not And some would say, well, well, if, if God is good, why doesn't he? he just take away all evil and suffering in the world? He he would have to smite us all. Jordan would not exist. Your dad didn't exist either, so you're not alone. You know, as soon as as soon as uh you mess up, poof, you're gone. And God could have done that. He could have exercised perfect justice. evil that highlight goodness if we allow it to. God is still good, even though evil and suffering exist. As we continue on in, in Genesis 3, God makes some pronouncements. He starts to deal with the problem of evil. He talks to the serpent into Satan himself that from now on there's going to be a battle, there's going to be a struggle between the descendants of Eve and your descendants. And there's coming a time when you will strike the descendants you but he will crush your head. The very first prophecy in all of Scripture, Genesis 3, We must never forget that then and the brokenness that would come about in this world. He turns to Eve, the woman, and says, Now your pains and childbirth are going to be very severe. And to that all women said, Thanks. It didn't mean there wasn't pain in the world. Don't, don't miss this. There's an element that pain is good. When you touch something that is hot, you ought to feel pain. Pain isn't evil necessarily. Just that said, it's gonna be harder now. He goes on to say to Adam, because you listened. And ate, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles. It didn't mean that, you know, farming in the back in the days of Adam and Eve was just. Where you're just going kind to of throw something in the ground and whoo! Wouldn't that be great, Bonnie and Art and Leland, if you could just throw seed and do nothing? And it was a great crop every year? God isn't saying that the way it was before, He's just saying now, because of sin, it's going to be harder. Started, so, boys, you know this, whether you know it or not. You know this. When you work out, does it hurt? You don't work out anymore. I resonate with you. But when you were working out, it wasn't always easy, was it? No, you push your body back back, you tear your muscles so they can rebuild. It's a painful, hard process, but it produces something good. We're starting, I think, to see what is going on within the pages of scripture and the question of evil and suffering. Grace is God's gift. Many times when I have read the scripture many years ago, I would gloss over after this, you know, you get to verse 20, you say, yeah, it his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all these things, and then you just kind of move on. And you miss the first act of grace. Well, probably the second. First is the fact God created. The second is right here. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. And the Lord God said, Man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out of his hand and take also from the tree of life and, eat and live forever. See, before that, they could take from the tree and live forever because they were trusting the Lord. They were trusting what he said. And now knowing good and evil, if they take from it then, something worse may happen. And God has a plan. His plan is a plan of grace. Here in the beginning pages of Scripture, we reminded that what will God provide if we align through every evil and suffering in our world is grace upon grace upon grace. He clothed them. He didn't have to. They are to try. And it was pretty pathetic. Leaves sewn together. They cover really nothing. He covers their shame with his grace, and he makes it known that the price of our choices is costly. In this world, there's only one innocent victim, and then I'm going to qualify to say, that innocent victim is creation. The trees of the field, the crops of the ground, the birds, the animals, never ask for what they do. But because of sin, we have evil and suffering. Let me qualify that just a little bit. I do not mean to say there are not individuals and circumstances where someone is an innocent victim. There are. In terms of abuse, whether it's spiritual, uh, physical, mental, emotional, sexual, or the like, if that is you, you are a victim. You are not at fault, regardless of what anybody has ever said at any point in time in your life. Period. You are a victim. And we as God's people ought to try to eradicate all those abuses. And it's not God's plan. And though you are a person who has sinned, no one deserves (coughs) this. Period. And if anybody's ever done work with abuse victims, you know how the majority, unfortunately, feel it is always their fault. And if you ever have to sit across the table from someone who's been abused, your job is not To try to unnecessarily figure out what is true, your job is to sit there and say you are still loved, you still cared for, and it's not your fault, and you refer to someone you can do it. Period. And you walk them through that whole process. And you stay with them. So that is you, you are not to fault. I'm not to say those who have been, uh, you know, victims of crime are at fault you. There are some times when you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. But Scripture is saying that the result of all of this is sin. You know, we had a hard time figuring out who was good this morning, didn't we? I mean, we even went to Joyce Bowling real quick. And Joyce said, absolutely not. Maybe Ron Butters good." it. Sue really rolled her eyes real quick and, you know... Sorry, I shouldn't have quote him. And he's like, well, uh uh. oh, I'll See, because of this. Because of the fact scripture then says we inherited the sin of Adam and Eve. We have the nature. Does that mean babies sin, the first day they're born? I'm not going to get into that. We believe there's an age of accountability. We believe scripture says that. Babies that die too early are in, are in glory. But sooner or later, they all sin, and they know it. Hayden, okay? you know when you sin sometimes, don't you? I haven't picked on, have pick on Maya this morning. Maya, you know you sin on a right? And sometimes our sin is the direct result of our pain, as it was for Adam and Eve. Because sin always leaves a mark, a weapon. Christ provides the ultimate freedom from our suffering and evil. Paul said, as sin entered the world by one man, so the curse was undone by one man. The promise of Genesis 3.15 is fulfilled in Christ. That's why uh, the movie The Passion of Christ by uh, Mel Gibson. I remember um, when I watched this Uh, in theaters uh, when it first came out. So I was at Cedarville in college when it came out. I went, and I remember uh, as it starts, it shows the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay? And and you see Jesus praying, and you see the serpent kind of uh, coming in and going all around And Jesus finishes praying, and at that moment, His heel is against the next step. It hits the the head of the serpent. And you kind of see him kind of go, ooh. You know, like when you step on a pebble and it goes through your shoe and you kind of feel it. And the serpent kind of uh, dies at that point in time. I was the only one who laughed out loud at that moment. And I just know I got a couple looks like, this isn't a funny movie. But see, I remember my old... alright Suffering. He said a thorn in his side, that he prayed at least three times. He says this in Second Corinthians. He says, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me." Why do bad things happen? The halfway decent people. The Bible says sin. Does that mean you deserve it? Not necessarily, but sin left its mark. But our hope is, just as it did in Genesis three, just as it did at the cross of Christ, and as it will do again in Revelation, the grace of Christ overcomes sin. The power of great grace in your life is sufficient. So your we'll doubt. My job rests in God's place. Is that easy? Absolutely not. Because when you're hurting, you want to fix right now. When Adam and Eve realized the consequence, I think they wanted to fix right now. I can hear them saying, but oh, wait, wait, can I get another try? I didn't mean to mess up. And God says, no, but somebody else will. Can you think, imagine as you turn into the pages uh, of Genesis 4 that when Eve became pregnant and she gave birth to a son, the excitement of that? Because right in the midst of their brains, they're going, there was a promise given by God himself that one of my kids is going to make all things right. Maybe it's this one. Hey, okay. And then then things don't end up, you know, going bad. what? So then Abel is born. Can you imagine the excitement? One of these two may bring us back to that garden where they remember things. You know the story of Cain kills Abel, and so their hearts are hard to dash. But then they have another Seth. Oh, maybe. Would be it, and we get genealogies that most of us will try to forget and try to pass over. But the genealogies throughout all of Scripture are reminding us of the promise of Genesis three fifteen, where there is coming one who will conquer it. No wonder Matthew and Luke start with a genealogy. They say, This Jesus is that one. He comes, all things. So, your task, my task rest in the grace of Christ. Listen to his voice. Let him lead us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then, though we will have troubles in this world, we know his grace overcomes the law. We pray, Father God, thank you for this time. As we go on into our worship this morning, through singing of this song, Lord, we ask that you would help us to rest in your grace this day. Lord, if someone needs to come to experience the grace that is found the only in Christ, but they would do so. They would just admit that, yeah, they messed up. They're broken. But you have come to make us whole. Not that we will never have troubles in this world, but by your grace we will overcome them whether on earth or in glory with you. Lord, we seek you. We We also submit that we won't get it all. We can't get it all. For we are created, and you are not. And so you are always higher than us. Your ways are always higher, and your thoughts are always higher. And so we learn to trust today, tomorrow, and each day. Until you come back again and you make all things new. And with that, we say, praise the Lord. Praise God, for whom all blessings flow. We thank you for this time and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you uh, sing with us?